I'm Jeff Hakeem, founder of MCM Wealth. Welcome to our podcast today. We do these podcasts to advise families, business owners, and health professionals. Our approach is to build customized portfolios for each client while offering comprehensive financial planning services. Thank you for joining us today on this educational journey designed to protect your future. Hello and welcome to the MCM podcast. Today we will be talking about time horizon investing and portfolio construction. I'm Wendy McConnell. And today we're going to be talking to Kirk Lowry, portfolio strategist at MCM and managing member of Advisable Wealth Engines. Welcome back, Kirk. Hey, thanks, Lenny. Pleased to be here again. All right. So today, today's a big day. We're going to be talking about how and what it means to have an investment horizon. Okay, this is all Greek to me. <laughs> well, we'll hopefully uh, give you some good uh, language translation here. So you'll be uh, conversant by the end, but let's see how we go. All right. So start me out by telling me what in the heck is it? Well, let's think about horizon. You know, we're it's a term we use and we think about a horizon when we look out at the sunset or sunrise to the horizon. And I think that's an appropriate way to think about it in this term, because we are looking outward. And in the context of a horizon for investing, we're looking to the future. And effectively what it is, is what is that place in the future where our investment program, our portfolio needs to perform for us? And in fact, we have different horizons as we think about these things as we look out into the future. And really, it's just a way of factoring in how to view my future, not so much in one big blog, but really in discrete places. And those discrete places have to work well. And that's really what we'll focus on today. So what type of planning activities fit inside each time horizon? Well, let's think about it in the context of this. Let's think about our horizon as actually being having three sets. Today, forward to three years, then three years to seven years, and then over seven years. And I'll say, Wendy, these are rolling periods of time. So as we complete 2023, we'll start 2024 as our present day and continue in this in, in these uh, time definitions and so forth. And these horizons effectively tell us what we need to do for our financial health in the context. So we think about the uh, you know activities that fit into the horizon are going to be determined by really two main things. First of all, you know the demographics or the life stage that we have, but also what types of things we have to pay for in those horizons. So let me give you an example. If a client is is fairly young, you know, their midterm horizon might be saving up for a down payment on a house. Whereas somebody who's, uh, you know, mid-career, their midterm horizon may be uh, retirement planning. Uh, obviously, somebody that's already retired, their midterm horizon may be long-term care funding. So it adjusts based upon your, your life stage. And, and that, in many ways, dictates what goes into that plan. But I will say this. Whether you are young or old, rich or poor, 
what goes into that short-term horizon basically is your budget. Let's call it your lifestyle budget. And that budget is really what frames what's going to happen this next year, let's say the next 12 months, and then as it rolls through each successive year for three years. And that budget effectively determines a couple of things. What bills we have that have to get paid. And then secondly, do we have the resources to pay those bills? Of course, if we don't have the resources to pay those bills, then we have a failed plan and we need to reconstruct it really starting from scratch. Really, We're in exactly. trouble. We're in trouble. <laughs> yes. And so the, the midterm is, is essentially those things that are that I'm, I'm looking forward to. I still have some time to fund, but I need to start, you know, getting my act together. Obvious things like college education. We need to start thinking about, is it going to be public college or private college in that, let's say, three to you know seven year period of time? And so we begin to start framing that, begin to start valuing what those liabilities or obligations are. And when we do that, then basically we know how much income we need to have when those bills come due. And the last thing I will say about this is that today, as we sit in June, if we go out three years, let's say to June of 2027 or June of 2028, what was a midterm horizon objective today now becomes a short-term objective four years from now. Right. Think of these horizons as marching through time with us. And that's really important. And that just, we'll talk about this in a bit, I think, is the notion that this whole process is a, is a is an active process that always goes on. What types of inputs determine an investment horizon? Well, the one I mentioned is life stage. I think that's fairly obvious. But the other thing is is income or wealth. If uh, a younger client is living paycheck to paycheck, they don't really have a midterm horizon or a long-term horizon. Those are tough situations and sad situations that exist, but we know that they exist. On the contrary, you know, you have might have very wealthy families who have just such an abundance of income that they don't really even think about funding their budget, although it still needs to be done. It's just going to happen because they have such an abundance. So their focus is going to be on, on much bigger things in the future, things like philanthropy and charitable giving and, and wealth transfers and so forth. So we think about life stage and income or wealth as really being the framework that allows us to start thinking seriously about what goes into each horizon. When we're talking about cash outflows, is that the most important input in defining a horizon? It is. So cash outflows, right? We think about, um, uh, this isn't a bit of an accounting term, but every company, every person has cash inflows, their paycheck, right? And their cash outflows, paying the utility bill, the mortgage bill, whatever it is, paying for a tuition check, those things. So we have inflows, which we're very happy about, and we have outflows, which we're not always happy about, but the fact is those two have to align. So we think of inflows as being the resource that pays for those outflows. In an accounting standpoint, those outflows, we can think of those as bills to pay, 
invoices, or liabilities. And it's a good way to think about it in that perspective. Because when we start valuing our liabilities, we know what we're on the hook for. Again, we think of that every day, every month, as we consider our household budget. But there are other things that we might be on the hook for that may not be necessarily legal obligations, but there are goals that we have priorities, such as a house or a college education or a vacation home or a successful and fruitful retirement, things like that. Those are like liabilities. We may, may not be obligated to pay for them, and there may not be legal consequences if we fail to pay for those kinds of things, but those are priorities for our life. So let's start thinking about them as liabilities. And what happens is when we do so, we are starting to carve out in our lifestyle budget money for a down payment on a vacation home or money that we might put in extra to allow us the freedom to fund a private college education versus a public education and things like that. So we always want to track what the liabilities are. That sets our hurdle. So if we know what our hurdle is, we have to start then adding up what our inflows are, our income and our assets. Do we have enough to do it all? If we don't, then it comes into setting priorities. And that's always a worthwhile discussion to have in the family and with your advisor. How does an investment time horizon work inside a wealth plan? Well, the things we were just talking about are primarily the activities for the wealth plan, identifying our goals and objectives, and then identifying what income inflows we have. The investment plan is focused on the assets that we have, the investments, the property, and things like that, that we hope to grow over time. Certainly, our compensation, we could say, is part of that, but most often, compensation that we get from our job is used to really fund our budget. It's kind of spoken for, for the most part. Now, certainly, if there's more inflows and outflows, we have savings. So that savings then becomes a contribution into our portfolio, as it is. And the other thing I should just mention is that I talk about a portfolio, and yes, there is the taxable portfolio, which is our primary focus here today. But we also recognize that there are retirement portfolios. There are, you know, potentially college funding portfolios. And these are distinct portfolios. They have specific tax benefits and they have certain issues and things you have to structure about them. But nonetheless, all of those are resources to help pay for what's going on in the wealth plan. So when we think about our investment plan inside the wealth plan, we think of an investment plan that's a segment. Part of our overall portfolio will be a short-term investment plan that's going to hold things like maybe bonds or ETFs and mutual funds that give us income to help fund that budget. Then we might have other types of investments to help fund that midterm portfolio, things like dividend income and and convertible bonds and those types of things. And of course, in the long-term uh, portion of our portfolio, we have a bucket or a horizon that has things like our property and, and equities and things that we're hoping to grow uh, at, a, at a good rate to help fund those future things, those, those future liabilities, which we can't easily uh, forecast today. 
Tell me something that would indicate that an investment time horizon is not working. Well, this goes really to those conversations in the family, certainly with an advisor. When you're going month to month and you start turning things up and you realize that you're not having enough money or it's just really tight. So almost always the focus is going to start from the short-term budget, then to the midterm budget, and finally to the long-term budget. You got to make sure that your short-term horizon is handled appropriately with enough incoming resources to pay for the bills that are coming due. And if there's a gap, that gap has to be funded. Now, sometimes what happens in a uh, in an undisciplined way or if a plan is not really tuned to the investment program, you'll fund that gap by taking money out of your portfolio. And you can do this year after year, not realize that each dollar you take out, you're basically taking away from funding those other objectives and goals from the future. And I, and I want to say that when you take a dollar out from, let's say, your investment plan, your investment portfolio to pay for a gap in your short term, it's not just the dollar, but it's really the loss of a compounded dollar. Because you are intending that dollar inside your portfolio to grow year after year after year. When you take it out, it's not growing anymore. So what ends up happening is these funding, these gaps may not be seen and they can start to snowball. I liken it, if you will, to uh, high blood pressure. <laughs> you know, talk about high blood pressure as being a silent killer because I might feel fine, but I, I'm, I'm unaware of what high blood pressure might be doing internally to me. And it's the same kind of thing in our, in our budget. If, in fact, we're funding our short-term gaps with money that I'm intending for long-term, I may not see it for a few years. But it's, in fact, damaging the ability for my midterm and long-term plan to, to really do what I had hoped to have it done when I started. That makes sense. What happens if nothing changes when Horizon isn't working as intended? Well, you know what, Wendy, if you're really wealthy, I could say nothing. <laughs> you know, you, you just may not have as much to give to your charities or to your kids and grandkids. But you know what? Most people aren't in that situation. Not me. <laughs> you know, certainly if nothing changes, if those gaps are not addressed and the reasons for those gaps that I just talked about are not addressed, ultimately the plan will fail. And oftentimes it's done in a very sort of seductive way because we fund these gaps and they said, we don't necessarily see them see the impact of taking money from the future to pay for the for the day. But also that's a really uncomfortable conversation to have in your family, with your spouse, certainly with your advisor. And so those kinds of things, those tough conversations can be neglected. And it just can sometimes just die of atrophy until, until you're at that place like the onset of retirement, and you realize you just don't have enough. And those are times when you start thinking and your whole plan has to change. So instead of retiring at a certain age, you need to work longer, you know, or instead of sending your kids to a, you know, your alma mater, you know, you, you can't do it. I mean, these are things that really happen. This is life and it's, 
in a in the way things hit us. So I pretty I'm pretty sure at this point, though, we are talking about the most important horizon is always going to be the current horizon that you're in. Yes. Yes. And that's that progression we talked about. So I, if I can fund my budget as I forecast for this year, which is usually pretty accurate, and then the second year and the third year in that three horizon, I, I should be able to be pretty clear about what that is. Once that happens, then we move to the midterm and we start thinking about those kinds of elements. Is our investment portfolio in such a place that the things I want to do in the midterm, which now, you know, as they're moving closer to me, things like down payments and college funding and whatever that might be, are the assets there? And if they're there, then we're in good shape. I may need to move money from my long-term portion of the portfolio, my my growth assets like stocks and things like that into my midterm if in fact there's a gap. That's not altogether the same issue that it exists if it's in the short term because I have time to fix some of those problems, right? Or I can adjust. So as I said, instead of, uh, for example, buying a house four years from now, a, a vacation home is an example, I, I buy it five or six years from now. And, you know, in the scheme of things, that's not such a big deal. Or maybe in retirement, instead of retiring at you know 62, I work till 64 or 65. Not such a big deal. So because we have time to make those adjustments. How does an investment time horizon work with an investment objective? Well, they're very much aligned. You know, in our previous podcast where we talked about volatility. Remember that and how you uh, got all that great education. All I that. do. <laughs> there's a there's a, a clear alignment. So let's bring those two together. In the short term horizon, when I have bills coming due, I need to make sure the money is there. So that means if I have investments, they have to be very low volatility. I can't have fluctuations in the amounts. I knew that. I was going to guess. Okay, I should have asked you. Sorry. Flipped our roles here. <laughs> so, you know, but the money has to be there. So right. that means that our investment objective is conservative in the short term. Then let me talk about the long term. The long term, I have a lot of time to let things play out. I can adjust as we just talked about. And the fact is, the longer I allow those compounded dollars to compound, I end up with more money. I get yeah, a bigger better. cushion. So what about the midterm? So the midterm is an interesting one because the midterm horizon basically is the bridge between that growth portion of our portfolio to when I have to pay my bills with cash in the short term. And so there we're going to focus on investments that have a little bit of growth and a little bit of, of risk management. Those would be things if you want to think about a specific investment, such as a convertible bond or a dividend stock or a portfolio that's designed to minimize volatility while participating a bit on the upside when markets rise in value. Basically, that midterm horizon has investments that are both volatility managed, but also have growth. We would call that a balanced objective, where you have both volatility and growth together. That's what the midterm horizon is, is to do. And it's really, in many ways, that 
a very important horizon because it is that bridge. It allows us the flexibility to adjust our priorities while still marching towards that longer term horizon where we really want to see the fullness of our aspirations come to bear. How can you tell if the wealth and investment plans are working well with a horizon-based structure? Well, partly it comes down to, do I have gaps? If I had to dip into my portfolio to pay a gap. If I haven't, then that really gives us a little more freedom because we can start looking again at our midterm horizon, long-term horizon, knowing that we don't have these gaps and that hopefully we actually have contributions going into those portfolios. So they're growing not only from internal growth of the investments, but also from cash that we're putting in. And I can start maybe thinking about, instead of what we just talked about, having to reset our priorities in a disadvantaged way, I might be able to start thinking about resetting our priorities in an advantaged way, getting that vacation home sooner or getting a bigger vacation home or or whatever those things might be having a you know a special family vacation that we we didn't really expect why here we come here we go isn't that right and that's why i always want to emphasize that that budgeting process as much as people don't like it because it seems like it's constraining you know really in the end with a budget and discipline in what you spend and the priorities that are set up, it actually gives you more freedom. And it gives you more freedom because in that discipline, you end up with resources that are that exceed what you have to pay for in that midterm and long-term portfolio. So now you can start thinking in, in a much more enjoyable way about what you can do that maybe you didn't think you could do, or maybe you had to set off you know, purposefully in that discipline. Now you can do those kinds of things. So those are all wonderful opportunities that uh, working with an advisor, having a wealth plan and having an investment plan aligned with that wealth plan really provide for a family. Who are the people that are in charge of making investment horizons work the way that they're supposed to? Well, you know, sitting in my role, the obvious choice might be, well, it's the advisor's job. Yeah, because I want to yell at him if it's not working for her. But you know what? I think the truth is it's really the client. Oh, no. Yes, here we go. (laughs) And and the reason is that, you know, you can set a budget, have those great conversations, end that budget meeting with your advisor feeling really good about stuff. And then, you know, here or there, you know, you're spending a little bit more than you you expected and the budget gets a little loosey-goosey and you, you know, maybe, you know, bought, you know, the... a a car that you weren't planning on, whatever those things are, right? The stuff that life throws at us. And that discipline in living to your budget and to your goals and priorities is the client's responsibility. What the advisor does, kind of like the doctor, you know, the doctor says, well, you got to exercise or lose weight or all those things that happen at the physical. And you have that great determination when you leave the doctor's office and you just kind of don't do it. It's too hard. Too hard. It's I'm certainly unfun. <laughs> uh, so you end up, you know, you go back again and then, you know, the doctor says, Hey Kirk, you know what? 
you're in worse shape than you were before. <laughs> right? And and so ultimately, at some point, you realize, obviously, in a health context, that there's some serious stuff going on. We're talking about life itself. I don't want to overplay that, but it's a very good analogy for what happens if I, as the client, don't really carry forward the disciplines I've agreed to. I understand. So you can tell me what to do, but I am the one that has to do it. Yes, exactly. What changes need to occur to tune up a horizon to the wealth plan? So if there's a gap, we have to fix the gap. And, you know, the advisor's job is it's not some big, you know, Italian mother-in-law guilt trip going on. My wife's Italian, so I know what that is really well. (laughs) (laughs) It's not about guilt. It's really solving problems. Or better said, making sure that problems that are on the horizon don't come to play. And so you work through it. And this goes back to what I mentioned, that the wealth plan and investment plan are living documents. You know, you're always adjusting to them, certainly every year. But it might be that during the year, you might want to get a car. You need a car. You want to do something, whatever it is. And so you sit down with your advisor, you go through it, and you make adjustments. And it's not wrong to make adjustments. It's not wrong to realize that you had a gap because you didn't quite have the sophistication or understanding of your goals and budgets that you thought, or stuff just got in the way, right? So you fix it. As long as you have that understanding that when there's a problem, I fix it, then you've got something that's really going to work for you time after time after time. Does technology have a role in managing investment horizons? No, it does. You know, we've got all these great tools now between electronic banking and credit cards that track what you spend and where you spend and how much you spend by category, all these things. There's great technology. It's a lot of data. We're not lacking for data anymore. So the technologies that exist can consume this data and really produce a very accurate budget and very accurate variance to that budget. Are you spending what you thought? Yes or no? And we know what those those amounts are. That's the first part of it. But there's also those tools that are very helpful in, in looking at scenarios. So I may have my wealth plan that works really well, but I'm sitting here today in you know 2023 and I'm worried about a recession. So you can use technology to take what you have in your budget and do some uh, scenario testing. Well, what would happen if there was a recession? Or what would happen if I lost my job or and I needed disability payments or something like that? What would happen? So these tools can really do a wonderful job of simulating those kinds of experiences. So I can have anticipation. It may lead me, for example, Wendy, to buying insurance, disability insurance, or something like that, just to make sure to give myself some added comfort to it. And all these technologies, these planning tools and investment tools allow that that refinement and scenario testing, stress testing to occur in a way that gives us a much better confidence that the plan we have can work. And, or if something does happen, we have a plan B in place to make it happen. And talk technology help when it comes to budgeting? Budgeting is great. It certainly tells us. And in fact, you get those statements from your financial plan, from the bank, you know, taking inputs from your checking account and so forth, that tells you 
month to month, are you on track? You know, sometimes cash flows are lumpy. You know, you might make a quarterly payment. So those things all get evened out. But you can tell, are you on track for your budget categories? Is your income coming in as expected? And the sooner you find a problem or potential problem, better said, and you fix it, boy, you save those compounding dollars you otherwise would have taken out. How can horizon-based investing guide a client's periodic meetings with an advisor? Well, this is a great question to, I think, end this focus. You spend all this time planning, short-term, mid-term, long-term. You do all the work on cash inflows and cash outflows. You have a plan, the wealth plan. You have an investment plan that aligns with the wealth plan to do it. And that should set the agenda for each planning meeting. Somewhat like I said. So we already have the plan. Well, let's use it to see how we're doing. Are we on track? Let's talk about the short term first. Go through what we had put together whenever it was, maybe the year before, six months before. Let's go through it. Let's use the wealth plan as the agenda on how we're going to attack that meeting and guide us into looking at those types of priorities that we had previously. Maybe they're less so to us now. Maybe they're more so to us now. And we use that to refine it. So the outcome of our, let's say, annual meeting, we will, as the advisor, go back and refine or retool that wealth plan based upon that input, because it is a living document. And that will then dictate the types of things we might be doing in the investment plan to change based upon how the wealth plan has been adjusted. And when we do that, we do it efficiently and cost-effectively. And that all adds up to more dollars in your pocket. It seems pretty simple. There's three horizons. I need to keep my current horizon fully funded and then shorter, little longer term and then long term, right? Right, Wendy. You're getting there. You're going to be an advisor sooner than you know it, you know? Sooner than I know it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate the the talk today and then. Talking about horizons, I love the horizon, by the way, especially when the sun's coming up over the yes. ocean. Oh, the horizon there. It's fantastic. Yes. So thank you, Kirk, for joining me. And uh, I look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks so much, Wendy. And thank you for joining us. Please like, follow, and share this podcast. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. This is Jeff Hakeem again. Thank you for listening to this episode of our MCM Wealth Podcast. Please click the follow button to be notified of new episodes as they become available. Also, please visit our website at www.mcmwealth.com or call me on my direct line at 415-299-6500. 7-4 so you and I can have an initial discussion. We look forward to learning about you.